from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs. This is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Chiefs. We're still trying to figure out exactly what happened against those Los Angeles Chargers, and we have a great show for you. We're brought to you today by NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full replays, and you can also watch the replay of an entire game in just 45 minutes with the condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. That's NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. This is going to be fun to go through because Matt Derrick is going to join us here in a little bit. We're going to go through all kinds of permutations. The Chiefs have an extra day off, and there's still a couple of questions that we will answer as well. I'm Ryan, the host of RGR Football, as well as the founder over at Rogue Analytics. And I'm Chris Clark. Thank you all for listening. We really do appreciate it. And thank you for all the new iTunes reviews. We appreciate those as well. Uh, Lots to talk about and a lot to really look at when you start looking at uh, this game that's going to be coming up against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, And we'll be getting to more of that later in the week as well. All right. So a couple of update items. It does look like Tavon Young is going to be out for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, He had tore his ACL against the Houston Texans and is out the rest of the season. That's oof, that's tough for them. I, I like him as a young player, but that's an opportunity for the Kansas City Chiefs and specifically for McCole Hardman. Well, could be an opportunity for Tyree Kill as well as he was their slot corner. Uh, so you have to wonder if they're going to continue to uh, use somebody else in that role or they're going to move Marcus Peters around or their other corners. Uh, not really sure, but we'll find out on Monday night. Yeah, man, that's it's going to be something that I think the Chiefs are going to have to explore. That middle area there from the slot over to the weak side linebacker, which is where um, young Patrick Queen is going to line up for what I think is the the dominant portion of it. They may switch things up. They may be playing a little bit of possum about how they're going to line things. But Patrick Queen was the top linebacker taken. I actually had Ken Murray a little bit higher that the Chiefs saw last week. So they're going to see the two best linebackers in this rookie draft class week after week and should be a good comparison. I'm looking for something out of them. but. Also, I think that the learning curve is steeper this season, so I expect Travis Kelsey and McCall Hardman in particular to be able to go down in there. We'll ask Matt about that coming up, but what do you what do you think? Well, I think Travis Kelsey is going to be huge in this game. The Ravens have struggled with tight ends, so I do think that that's going to play a key factor. The question is, can they figure out a way to slow him down? Uh, if they get Travis Kelsey going, the Chiefs keep Travis Kelsey going, I think it's going to be a lot harder for the Ravens to uh, slow down the Chiefs' offense. But if they're able to get Travis Kelsey slowed down, I think that that might actually help them slow down the entire Chiefs offense because I do think that their corners are going to have uh, a test, a big test with the Chiefs receivers. But if Sammy's not playing, that is going to take away a little bit of an advantage there. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out how they're going to adapt to that. You know, McColl got more snaps than Robinson last week, uh, which is the reverse, obviously, of week one. And, I'm trying to figure out exactly what that does. And without Sammy, that injury is going to be concerning because that's a guy that's going to see Marcus Peters quite often. And I can see an argument either way. Do you have a preference for who they try to line up out there at the, at the X, quote unquote, uh, a little bit more often? You know, I would expect that they're going to figure out who they think has the best opportunity and go with that. I don't really know who it's going to be. I think that it could be any of their wide receivers. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they put Demarcus Robinson out there. Uh, running at that position mainly because uh, then you're setting yourself up for Tyree Kill on the other corner, and I think that's a better matchup. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, one guy that I hope, it, as if it is a trickle-down, and folks, we don't know the official 
status of Sammy Watkins as we record this. Sammy was kind of positive on social media today, but that doesn't necessarily make uh, me feel like, oh, he's out of the protocol or approved or whatever. And Andy was kind of cagey on Monday about it. So I don't know what that means. We'll ask Matt here in a bit and see what he thinks. But if if Sammy can't go, I think it's it's a huge possibility that they may actually choose to stay away from Marcus Peters. They may. And, you know, that wouldn't surprise me either. I, I think Kansas City's got to figure out what they want to do in this game. And I think Andy Reid's got a pretty good idea of where he wants to go, considering he had pretty much all offseason to plan for this specific game. I think that it was circled. Uh, and I think, you know, I know that the Baltimore Ravens are really excited about this game. I can't imagine Kansas City's not as well. Yeah. And I don't want to belabor the point, but the offense has got to pick it back up. The PFF grades are, you know, pretty much showing what we saw on film that the guards were really under fire and that the tackles didn't play that much better either. The O line's got to pick it up against this Ravens front that includes Clayus Campbell as well as Udon, who had a lot of success against them last year. I think that the, the trenches are again going to be where the matchup goes and we can learn some of the things from what they did versus the Chargers. Absolutely. And I think what you're going to be seeing is the Chargers have a very good defensive line, I'm not saying that the Baltimore Ravens aren't good, but I don't think they're on the same level as the Chargers. Uh, so I think we will see a little bit of that and I think it's going to affect the game plan, but I still think Kansas City will have a little bit more success on the, the offensive line this week. Yeah, I, I agree. And let's let's hope that that's the way that it goes, because if you allow yourself to get down uh, like you did against Los Angeles, it's going to be a much harder task. And that's one of the things I'm going to ask Matt about coming up. Chain stores had different price tiers for professional mechanics versus us do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everyone, and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. I did this the other day for my new charger and it worked fantastic. You need to go check it out. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Welcome back. This is going to be a special one because Matt Derrick is back after a long week, two wins. How are you, Matt? I am hanging in there. I'm taking taking advantage of that extra day that a Monday night football game coming up provides you and <laughs> trying to take advantage of it the best I can. I like that. You got to be prepared. Now, last we spoke was right after the game, and it's been a little bit more to absorb afterwards. A lot of takeaways. We're going to cover all of them here. Not only this segment, folks, but the next one as well. And I want to start with, uh, has there been any inclination, any rumor even really that you trust about what's going on, particularly with Sammy Watkins? Not at this point. I mean, uh, everything's been pretty mum about where things are. And uh, Andy on Monday decided to continue to say that he doesn't know if he's in the concussion protocol or not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, which you know, the head coach by Monday would know, but um, that's Andy being Andy and just kind of you know 
playing a little bit of guessing games with injuries. I mean, that's that's the way that's the way the NFL is. I mean, they're not going to tell us until they have to. So, um, hey, something might leak out before Thursday, but you know, by Thursday for sure. I mean, that's when we'll know if if Watkins is on the practice field or not, and kind of where he is. Yeah, and I'm really interested to see just how that goes because that was pretty much a a really good wallop. And I thought his reaction, they showed him uh, on the telecast quite a bit going to the sidelines, very positive on, on social media, as I saw today, as we were getting ready to record this, but um, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, right? This protocol can be very tricky to navigate. Yeah, it can. I mean, so, you know, it's, yeah, it's whatever the players say, you know, doesn't always necessarily translate into where they are. So um yeah and 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 with concussions that's for certain i mean and it's it's crazy i mean watching that game on sunday i mean you would have probably have concluded that the hit that damian wilson suffered on that collision with justin herbert was probably worse than the one that watkins took Mm -hmm. and yet wilson cleared the protocol and came back into the game um but i you know what the other thing about the watkins hit was that andy Reid did not like it at all yeah. And, you know, usually you can if you ask him about a particular hit, that's when he will kind of pipe up and, you know, go to a certain line before he gets to the well, you know, you can't talk about officials. Um, He voluntarily went there with Sammy Watkins that he did not like that hit. And you know what? Yeah, I mean, it was a flag. I mean, I'll be interested to see if there's any fines that come out of it, because that was to me textbook, you know, helmet lowering the helmet and hit, hitting another guy in the head. Absolutely. I expect a fine and I. I'm really interested to see if they if there's any repercussions for that officiating crew. There were a number of missed calls there. That one was the one that stands out. And when Andy Reid says we can't have that in our game, that's a problem. Yeah, and when when the league hears a guy like Andy Reid say that, that's also something that's going to you know have some alarm bells go off. I mean, they're going to take a look at that. You're right. I mean, that was a I thought a pretty poorly officiated game across the the way. I mean, and it wasn't one way or the other. I thought there were a lot of blown calls both directions. So. And, and and you know what? I'll voluntarily say it. I don't think that honestly that the the Tyree Kill helmet coming off was a bad call. I mean, I you know he, he, he somersaulted twice and hit his head on the ground twice, mm-hmm. and no one in that stadium had a better look at it than the official did. If the official didn't think that you know he was pulling his helmet off to celebrate. Then, based on what Tyree Kill said, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that that helmet was coming off. Certainly looked like it was coming off on video. Yeah, and I don't know if that was—I don't think that was a blown call. There were plenty of other blown calls, though. There were, and it's interesting that you bring that one up because I went back and checked, and I don't—I don't know that there's a letter of the law other than the act of taking it off. I, I assume that means choosing to do that, not as part of the finishing of, of a football move or, or whatever you want to call it from the old uh, catch definition. But uh, that really is the difference, right? It being rolling through as he was to just kind of grab onto it at that point. Yeah, and and you know, because helmets are going to come off at times uh, just in the course of a play. And no, that's not a penalty. I mean, just the fact that your helmet comes off. Now, it's taking it off willingly and voluntarily. That's the problem. And yeah, there's a gray area there. But I, I can, you know, anybody who's had, a, I think, a football helmet on their head and had it gotten, you know, turned, twisted, askew, you get the chin strap up around your nose or something. Your inclination is not to put the helmet back on. Your hel- in- inclination is to take it off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes voluntarily removing your helmet is not all that voluntary. And I, I thought that at that particular moment, I mean, like I said, the official had the best look of it all. And if the official didn't think it was a flag, I don't think it was a flag either. 
So that brings me to flag or not. Tyreek Hill is definitely going to be in that game. We don't know about Watkins. So my question to you then becomes, when we take a look at who might get snaps in his place, my, of course, natural progression is I'm going straight to McCole Hardman because I think he needs to get more. But I think there's a there's a case to be made for Demarcus Robinson as well, being the guy that takes up some of that slack, particularly if they plan on getting pressed and attacking Marcus Peters. Where do you land? What do you think is likely to happen? Yeah, I mean, that's curious. I mean, especially because you look at McCole Hardman's usage over the last couple of weeks, he didn't get a lot of looks. Uh, and you know, in week one against the Texans and then gets a ton in week two against the Chargers. So, I mean, that certainly lends a little bit to game plan and how people fit in, but specifically to Watkins. Yeah. You know what? I, I think I would be surprised if Robinson didn't benefit the most from that. Um, because I, I think that, you know, especially with, you know, the role of that receiver being somebody who's going to be trying to free up other people. And doing some of the dirty work underneath and, and taking on some of the blocks. I think for all of those things, the Demarcus Robinson is probably your better suited receiver in those situations. I mean, if you're going to have somebody out there blocking, I think you want it to be Robinson rather than Hardman. If you want somebody, you know, running over the middle, I think it, Robinson's your guy. So, and, and Robinson's done a lot of the dirty work. I mean, he can be that kind of receiver. So I, that, I think he's probably the better, bigger benefactor, but both those guys, I think, I mean, absolutely. If Watkins is not in, both those guys will see more time. We've seen also that this acrobatic passing thing is not only Pat Mahomes because everyone wants to be Pat Mahomes. We saw Sam Darnold make a pretty good approximation. I have to give him credit for. Yeah. We saw Justin Herbert try. <laughs> so the, the, the <laughs> tried. <laughs> yes. Tried is a good word for that. So, and more power to him. Good for him for trying to be athletic. And obviously it wasn't the greatest decision, but hey, but the thing comes back to me is especially Mahomes, another no look. It was McColl on the, on the receiving end of that. And that eventually goes back to just, did you get any sense that he got more snaps because he was progressing? I thought he still blew a couple of reads there in his side adjustments, and clearly there were some things that he's still missing. Yeah, and and obviously he got some of those snaps at the end when when Watkins was out, but he was also, you know, Hardman was seeing a lot of looks throughout the game. So I, I think once again, I mean, I think it was a little bit of game plan. I mean, it was it's specific to the, you know what they have going into each week, what they're kind of looking to do against an opponent, and that's why I think you probably are going to see at least those two guys, Robinson and Hardman, maybe being guys that fluctuate a little bit in snap counts because they're asked to do different things. So I, I think that definitely is something that schematically you're going to just see their numbers kind of fluctuate. Whereas you know Hill and Watkins, if they're healthy, they're going to be your every down one and two guys. So, but that throw, yeah, I, I want to give Hardman a ton of credit because it was not a terribly accurate throw. Right. And the fact that he got his hands on it and, and held on to it was pretty impressive. Uh, but at the same time, I have no idea what to describe that as because, yeah, I mean, the way that, that Mahomes was pump faking and <laughs> I went with low and outside, I think. <laughs> I mean, it reminded me a little bit of like, you know, playing a hot box as a kid, you know, and you're, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and certainly, I think it came a little bit from his baseball days and maybe being caught in a rundown. Yeah. Hey, hey, you take it. I don't want it anymore. I, I was pretty impressed. But I also think that that also goes through. Obviously, it wasn't a deep pattern this time. But the concept that, of Pat yelling at McColl, you know, keep running. This was the mental version of that. Make sure that you're still paying attention to wherever the heck he is. Because you never know when he's going to toss it your way. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, and that's why you give Hardman a lot of credit because that's another play that as a younger receiver, maybe last year, maybe he does give up on that. And, you know, you've seen the the savvier receivers with the Chiefs. Chris Conley was really good at that the first year that he was playing with Mahomes of just making sure that, you know, you are always completing and running and being prepared for the ball to come to you at any time. Um, that was that was awareness. Like I said, I mean, that was a really good catch for Hardman. So give him the credit on it. Well, I, I will continue to. And when we get back, folks, we're going to talk about some of the other things, the contributions from guys that maybe we didn't see coming. Invest in your intuition. Use the promo code locked on and double your first deposit. New players get up to a thousand dollars in free play at my bookie designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. Now, like we talked last uh, segment, a lot of contributors, uh, McColl taking a step up. A lot of guys are taking steps up. What's your general impression here through two weeks of not only the initial involvement, but what we saw this last week with the rookie class all starting to contribute? Yeah, I mean, you're you're seeing a lot of different places. I mean, you know, Mike Dana gets his first sack as a, as a rookie. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire continuing to be a big part of it. Um Willie Gay finally saw some snaps on defense. Bo Pete Keys was actually active this week. You know, still he's his big, big special teams role player for him. Um, Tershawn Wharton's getting some action. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're seeing some contributions all the way from this rookie class. And let's, let's face it. I mean, at this point, Legereus Sneed is probably the one that is absolutely exceeding all expectations. Um, certainly the Chiefs didn't think that it have to be in a spot where he would be the starter coming in. But he's done it all. And now, I mean, you're, I, I still think that you're at a point that when Rashad Breland comes back, you do ease him back in. Now, I think it might be a little bit about like the way the Chiefs used Morris Claiborne last year when he returned back from four games out. It'll probably be that kind of way. You know, you give him some series, you know, share with, uh, and it'll be dependent on when Ward comes back too. But, mm-hmm. I think you're going to see them work him back in. But at this point, it's going to be really hard to to say LeJerry Sneed sending him to the bench. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to have to find a way to continue to keep him in the rotation in the lineup. And the only tough thing is, is that all three of those guys, particularly with Ward and Breland, is that none of them are really, you know, inside guys. Um, they can play in there on occasion. But I think that's the only tricky thing is that, you know, is there a way to get all three of them on the field at the same time? That I don't know about. I mean, but I, yeah. Sneed... It's just been too good. Now, maybe he'll get exposed eventually, but right now the the grades and the numbers when he's been targeted are fantastic. Yeah, what really stood out to me, and I, I put this out on Twitter, and folks, I'll have a film review over on RGR this week as well. But the thing that stood out to me is that not only did he, was he in coverage on half of Keenan Allen's targets, but yes, he allowed a, b- a bunch of those. Eventually, uh, for a rookie, I'm not going to hold that against him. I want to see a lower completion rate for a defensive back, but that's that set aside kept him under 10 yards a catch which is pretty rare for Keenan Allen I thought his physicality about it was really what set him apart yeah most rookies if you put him on Keenan Allen most of a game Keenan Allen's gonna go for 250 a couple of touchdowns (laughs) yeah I mean they're just he's just gonna eat him alive and you're right I mean that's one of the things that I think is made Snead well equipped to make the move and it's certainly something that the Chiefs really liked from his college film and even what they saw from him at the combine and, you know, and during the off season, you know, the limited opportunities they had was that he is a physical player. He likes to get his hands on, on guys at the line of scrimmage. He's not afraid to mix it up and do that. And he's played a lot of press man in the past. So 
none of that was new for him. Uh, really, the things that were new for him was a little bit of, you know, playing the zone concepts. But again, you know why he played some safety. So he's, mm-hmm. he's had some experience with that as well. And I think that those multiple roles he played in college certainly helped out. But the reason why the Chiefs liked him from the beginning is that he's a guy that they thought had the size and the physicality um, to play guys tough, to hold on to them, you know, to be physical with them. He's got the catch-up speed, too, so he's not missing out on that. But um, well, Jerry State's not afraid of contact. He's not afraid to get out there and mix it up. And that's absolutely what you got to have when you're a rookie going up against a guy like Allen. Yeah, I, I was really pleased with that. I kind of thought it would take him a little bit longer to get up speed, but he's he's turning into the player that I had hoped he would become. My big thing is you're right about the nickel thing, and I think it is safe to say that he's on the on a pure depth chart of just who's who's your best player. He's pulled ahead of Rashad Fenton, and I don't think that's any slight against Fenton. But, again, he's played some nickel as well. Rashad played some nickel in Green Bay for that half a season he was there, too. I wonder didn't if it didn't go gonna... real well. <laughs> no, no, it didn't. Um, Bless his heart. And with Juan behind him, maybe that will change things. But I wonder if it doesn't become an experimentation about exactly what you said. How can you get them all on the field together? Yeah, I, I think once you get that group healthy, yeah, experimentation is absolutely going to be happening again because uh, Steve Spagnuolo is just going to have to figure out what he's got. I mean, he has not at this point had his entire cornerback core on the field in a regular in a game situation to kind of know what he's got with those guys when they're playing together. And you know, yeah, I was I, I've, I've been kind of surprised at the at this point that the Chiefs have been pretty willing to go ahead and go with a lot of three-corner looks. Now, they, they they kind of backed off that a little bit against the Chargers with the, the number-wise, and so that was a little bit different. I'll be interested to see what they do going forward because, yeah, I, I Fenton is the guy that's most well-suited and the guy that I know that they believed is the projects as the better inside guy, but they haven't been using him that way so far this season. And, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe Snead is the way, but I, I at the same time, they want – they want to prepare Legereus need to be an outside guy. I mean, they mm-hmm. want him to be an every down player and they don't necessarily want to have to bring him into a spot where he's playing different positions. I mean, that's really tough for any corner, but especially for a young corner. So I, I don't think they want to now they're they'll Hey, they'll move their corners inside based on situations. And, and you saw it. I mean, Sneed was following out around Allen and he was following him into the slot. So they're willing to do that. But at the same time, I, I don't know if they want to do that long term because they don't want to, you know, affect his growth and development as an outside every down guy. Yeah, let him become the corner corner that they want, not the nickel corner they need. I'm with you there. Um, Keeping on the rookie class, obviously a lot of holes in the run fits, I think specifically at the linebacker level. Willie Gay got a couple of snaps, like you said, but is right now, is he anything that can help this linebacker situation? I mean, based on the limited snaps you've seen at this point and, and just getting the, you know, feeling from the club. No, I don't, I, I don't know if it's quite there yet. I mean, you, you can see it even in the limited snaps that you saw on Sunday with him on defense. I mean, I think you saw a little bit of why the Chiefs are bringing him along slowly. Um, and part of it's because that's a tough position. I mean, is this isn't like corner? I mean, that's why I, I, I draw a distinction between him and Sneed. Corner is an island. I mean, that is a one on one matchup most of the time. And not saying that you don't have to know about, you know, what's going on behind you and what's happening in front of you, but it's nothing like what you have to know at linebacker and how you have to react. And you know what? I mean, Derek Johnson had that same kind of adjustment too. I mean, he, he, he overran a lot of things as a rookie 
And there was a reason why he ended up in some dog houses mm -hmm. uh, early on in his career. You know, so that's a really tough position. And I think what you saw from Gay so far are probably some signs about why they're hesitant to bring him along too quickly. Um, because that's that's a position that in most defenses, but particularly in Steve Spagnolo, he's going to favor assignment soundness over anything else. And that's what you got to be. And that's not to say that necessarily the Chiefs have been completely assignment sound at linebacker so far this season with the guys in front of him on the depth chart. But he still has a lot more to learn. And I don't think that's any knock whatsoever on Willie Gay. It's just a testament to how tough that position is. The fact that there was no offseason. And he's still learning. I mean, physically, you can see why the Chiefs love him. I mean, the, what he's doing on special teams, he had a great tackle on Sunday. I mean, mm -hmm. that's there. That's There's no question about the want to, the speed, the physical nature. It's just that, that the position is the toughest position on defense to pick up for a rookie. And this is a bad year to be a rookie. It is. And that block in particular, I thought, was pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, another step forward for him and contributing however he can now. And that said... One more guy. I, Mike Dana has surprised me. I knew as soon as we heard from Pat Perduto just what they saw on him back at Central Michigan, that he was going to come along and play a role for them. I was pretty confident from the get-go that he was going to make the roster. I did not see him doing this. If Snead is the guy that's probably overreaching expectations, is Mike Dana the biggest surprise in the rookie class? Um, possibly. I mean, I, th I think you could absolutely make that argument. Uh, you know, hey, he's still going to have, you know, tough spots. I mean, and that that play that he had with the penalty was a tough one. He kind of got caught in between. And but as a pure pass rusher, edge rusher, rusher at this point. Yeah. Off the charts. The other parts of it, he's going to have to learn. And that's absolutely natural. And it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, I mean, the Chiefs are going to try and put him in some spots where he's just going after the quarterback. But you're right. I mean, I, I, based on his body of work at Michigan, you know, I, I can see why some people didn't necessarily think it was a great pick or maybe it was a little bit of a stretch, but you're right. I mean, you go back to what it was, what he was at Central Michigan. And that's what the Chiefs wanted to get him back to. Um, he's not an inside guy. And that's what a lot of Michigan asked him to do last year. Now mm -hmm. you see him back at his natural spot and yeah, he's got a motor. I mean, he, he might, I don't know. He doesn't have the physicality of Tano Passanio. But he might have K-Pass's speed. I mean, it's close. Because um, I've seen him, be, you know, he's been chasing down some guys and doing some great job. But he's got to figure out the other things. He's got to figure out how to keep contained. He's got to be able to drop back when he needs to and, yeah. and, and, and work on the penalties. But no, I mean, as far as just expectations for what my expectations were for Mike Dana, no, he's already probably reached the season expectations in week two. Wow, that's impressive. I think it's going to bear out as we go forward, too. This is going to be a big week coming up, folks. Uh, we'll talk again, Matt and I will, over on RGR later in the week. But a lot going on. Thanks for updating us, Matt. Appreciate your time today. Absolutely. Always my pleasure. And, folks, we will be back with you tomorrow. Make sure Chris is going to bring you some information on the Ravens. And I will see you uh, or talk to you on Friday. So thanks for listening to us today, and we'll talk to you then. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening.